live to tape. Welcome to Millennial, episode 38. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. If Elisa sounds like she's dying this week, that's because she, she actually is. is. She's. <laughs> this is our announcement. Just in time for Halloween. Hashtag divide by three. <laughs> I am hashtag RIP. Um, Elisa. <laughs> yes. Rest in peace, me. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Before, before, really... we started, before we started the show, Elisa was like, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, you sure? Mm-hmm. It'll it'll get better as I as I talk. Is it'll it just better. a cold, Elisa? Like what's what's wrong with you? I many things, but uh at the moment I think it's just a cold. There's something going around my office at work and everyone I know here is sick, so whatever. It's fine. That's I'll just well. die. It's not a big deal. Speaking of death, two presidential campaigns have died this week. Lincoln Chafee is out. He was running for uh, the Democrats. And we also found out that (laughs) Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe Biden is not running after all. But Lauren and Lisa, you two must have been shocked about that because last week we recorded and uh, (laughs) you guys were talking about him potentially running. And then right before we were going to release the episode, he announced that he wasn't. So we decided to just ed- edit that segment out. But it is on Patreon. So were you guys yeah. surprised? I swear to God, like the DNC probably had his grandchildren in a holding cell somewhere being like, you're not going to run, bitch. Don't do it. And that's why he didn't run. It was really weird. I have to say, I was so Laura and I have talked about this. Neither she nor I actually thought he was going to run up until last week. Yes. <laughs> it didn't make any sense that he would run at this point. Uh, with Hillary so far ahead, he didn't make it in time for the debate. That didn't make sense. But um, then I had uh, someone that I know personally is best friends with the super PAC that was getting geared up for the Biden campaign. So we had it straight from the super PAC that he was going to be running and uh there was a super pact already started for him oh yeah 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 was it called like recruit joe enlist joe or something yeah it was something yeah something like that like uh enlist joe 2016 <laughs> i don't know but we had it me and my friend had it straight from the super pact that he was running and they were gearing up and everything i met with them for lunch and they were primed and ready and then 24 hours later he says he's not running, and we were all surprised by the turnaround. No, and it was weird because there were b- reports being leaked about him staffing his campaign. There were a number of very well-connected individuals tweeting about it. So that's why I was convinced. Uh, that was one of them Don Lemon? Because that would have been a, no. a clear sign that you, it wasn't Do you true. think that I would ever take any information from Don Lemon unless it's about black holes or marijuana? No. <laughs> it makes me wonder whether or not the campaign or someone leaked the idea that he would be running just to gauge public opinion and donor support. Uh, and then maybe he didn't work out. That's a cynical political side of me thinks that. But then again, he's he's been through so much lately with his son dying and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you guys notice, though, that Barack was with him when he announced that he wasn't running? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I thought was that different. was really interesting. Okay, okay. So I, I gotta be honest. I I did not share the any excitement about him in general being a um being a a contender candidate for the president. I never in once ever thought that he was actually going to run. And I've kind of felt like kind of out of the loop because you guys were like getting really excited or really, you know, you know, worked up about it. And I just did not share it at all. And I feel like it's because I maybe it's because I don't don't follow the uh, don't follow politics as much as as the three of you guys do. But like when when people are saying like Joe Biden's like Joe, you know, still has some time, but it's getting late. Like, I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Well, uh, he's, as, he's as, the vice president. president. I know, I know, I know, as the <laughs> vice president. But, like, I don't know really anything that he stands for or much of his policies or anything. So when, like, people are getting excited or worried that he's going to be, you know, uh, butting heads with Hillary as far as, like, trying to split up the Democratic Party, like, that's the only thing that I was I was following was, yeah, if he does run as president that or for, for president, that will kind of split up the support people, for Hillary. People liked him because he wasn't crazy like bernie and he didn't have a lot of baggage like hillary he he was just joe he's just uncle joe and he was thinking about running for president it was pretty simple and straightforward and that's why everybody liked him yep so oh, uh, well yeah well i guess it doesn't <laughs> matter now next time <laughs> so laura do you want to tell us about jeb who may be out yes as, yeah so this is a really interesting thing speaking of people who may be dropping um, for anyone who's been keeping an eye on Jeb's campaign this week, um, there have been some rumors that he's going to pull out of the race soon because he actually cut his campaign staffers' salaries by 40% on Friday. Did you guys see that? <sighs> I cannot believe this. There was so much hope for Jeb. Jeb! I mean, yeah, look at his point. campaign. Jeb! I, I Obviously, everybody's seen there's been missteps left and right. He's made dumb comments. He he made a dumb remark about Supergirl calling Supergirl hot last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she she is. Yeah, but it's not the most presidential thing to say. Um, yeah, well, I, neither is anything that Donald Trump has said, nor Ben Carson. This would just be... This would just... Bum me. I don't I don't really like him as a candidate, but it just bummed me out because he was one of the first people who entered. And I think he's one of the more sane candidates. Yeah, I mean, so I was actually talking to my grandparents this weekend. My grandparents are Republicans. Um, I don't know if that shocks anybody, but, nope. um, you know, they're not crazy people. And they were both saying they've just they find Jeb to be very uninspiring. They 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 find him to be kind of like, I don't know, very forgettable. Because he's not he's not really trying to make the public aware of his platform or the types of policies that he would want to enact. He's only been like reacting to people like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So his whole campaign has been a reaction. So I think sane rational Republicans are kind of looking at him and going like, yeah, you're not insane, but you're also not going to like, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you stand for. And your last name is Bush. Yeah. With that was the thing they kept getting at was they were like, we don't want another one of those. (laughs) So with, with sharing that tie to president George W and hell, the, the Bush before that, 
sharing that connection, you really have to have a strong message and your own personal individual platform. And I just don't think he did a good job communicating that or he has done a good mm. job communicating that. I think he's a really smart guy. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't agree with him on everything. Obviously, I think he's a very intelligent, smart individual and he knows how to govern. But he makes for such a boring, terrible candidate. He there's there's no charisma. There's no there's there's no um messaging. There's there's none of that, which isn't a reason for him to drop out. I'd be I'd be I'm very disappointed if that ends up happening because I do think he's one of the sane rational ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not supporting that. He's I'm one of saying, the two. Right. Sane he's one rational of, ones. He's one of the few that that exists. So I'm just I'd be disappointed if this, if this were the case, but at the same time I can also understand how he's not really eliciting a lot of passion. Now, do you think this is a problem purely because Jeb is so uninspiring? Or is it because we're over a year out from the election and it's hard to keep up momentum for that long? That too. Like, do you think it's some combination of the two or you think it's just him? He's like tapioca. Like, no, nobody, I think it's... Nobody wants him. I think it's both. I think it's both, but I I think... Uh, I think it's both, which is why I'm hoping he doesn't drop out because if you look at past elections, being where we are right now is in the past has not been a very good barometer for who actually ends up getting the nomination or who actually wins. So hopefully he sticks it out. Um, but that kind of depends on the donors, to be honest with you. A campaign can only last as long as its finances. And he needs like, that's the sad reality of politics in this country. You can't travel and meet people and tour the country and go to debates if you're broke. So we'll see what happens. Expect more fireworks on Wednesday. There's another Republican debate happening on CNBC. Oh, boy. Well, actually, though, Elisa, that's I mean, this year it's kind of taken a turn when you're talking about like super PACs and money, because uh, this is the first year where uh, like a candidate has received so much money strictly from uh, from 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 voters, from citizens. It's um, Bernie Sanders. He has he has made more money from. Uh, from uh, from citizens of the country more than any other candidate in U.S. history, and it in, in, and and has nothing to do with any super PACs or even that much money. Like he has he has gotten an overwhel- overwhelmingly amount of money. From, I know, I from know. Turnout, well, but, well, hopefully Bush can take a page out of his book. You know, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe Bush is the dark horse who learns how to grassroots campaign one dollar at a time. I'd be surprised, but. <laughs> That would be interesting. I mean, considering this is the guy who checked the wrong box on race, I'm not sure we can have much hope for that. Mistakes happen. Yeah, I tripped and accidentally said that I was Hispanic. What? How does that happen? Uh, That would be a very good question for Jeb. But anyway. There were more pressing matters this week from the New York Magazine. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> oh, okay, so for some reason, the New York Times this week, or New York Times Magazine, to be specific, decided to tweet a picture of results from a question that they asked their readers uh, earlier. And the question they asked was, and I quote, Dear reader, could you kill a baby Hitler? And and the results, uh, what, they, what they tweeted, was a pie chart in the shape of a baby, baby pacifier. Now... <laughs> let's just let's just skip the fact that this is kind of random and kind of just 
way fucking out there, especially from the New York Times magazine. But what what would your guys' answer be? Well, that's why I find it so great. It's like the New York Times of all publications decides to just randomly tell the world, "Hey, world, we happened to survey our readers asking if they wanted to kill if if they would have killed a baby Hitler." I yeah. say I would have voted yes. Okay, okay, why? Because he ended up killing million or you I, know however many people he killed. He was a horrible person. Right. Well, I I'm going to yeah. meet the person who says no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to meet the person who says no. Let's just, I mean, we're going to assume here, though, right, that this, that, that there's no loopholes. Okay. Right. No, like, genie in a bottle loopholes. Like, we know th- this baby in front of me is actually Hitler. It's not accidentally some innocent child. Right. We know that unless we do it, unless we kill him, that all those innocent people will die. If we operate under those assumptions, who would say no to this? Well, I guess because okay, it's like so it's still a baby. You I know. think it wasn't there. Wasn't there an episode of the Twilight Zone about this? There may. I mean, that would make and sense. And it and they like there was some crazy twist where like they did it and killing Hitler actually ended up causing the deaths of more people. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, well, oh, here. Okay. I'm sorry, but if we're actually lending like any credence to the possibility of going back in time and killing Hitler, we can talk about the Twilight Zone. No. Well, okay. So this is the, this is this is my this is my issue or question about all this. Now, I, I will actually say that I am not sure, and and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you it's why. Because so you're anti-Semitic. Yes, that's exactly yeah, what I'm saying. Well, fuck. Now, now I can't Racist. say anything. No. All right. So let's just assume that like this is all possible. Like time travel is possible, and w- if we go back in time to do this, we'll solely just kill, uh, eliminate, quote unquote, kill Hitler, and nothing else. So we don't like re- uh, we don't like do a butterfly effect of any other kind. But so if we do that and we kill Hitler back in time. The question, I guess the biggest question is, is it ethical to kill one person to save 40 plus million yes. people? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I would take that baby apart limb by limb. No regrets. Oh, my yes. God. I okay. feel like I'm on Wolf Blitzer's show right now. Absolutely. But then this is Maybe ridiculous. It's because I watch so much sci-fi. But like, tw- the mo- have you guys seen the movie 12 Monkeys? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and, or or The Terminator. Actually, it would be a better example. Like, uh, like uh, Reese, God. I think his name is, goes back in time to help his friend John Connors, his mother, from getting murdered by the Terminator. And by doing so, he actually is the father of John Car- John-, John Connor. And he actually dies. And the whole reason of going back in time was actually, incidentally, him uh, that him he already did this that he's actually doing what was already done and he's. I not- understand. I understand that there's all these shows and there's all these loopholes right. and yada well, yada yada. But because okay, that's not Sorry. compelling enough to me. I, riddle riddle me this: What happens if you decide not to kill baby Hitler and then you are transported back to to normal times? How do you live with yourself then? How do you live with you yourself then? Or because you're an American hero, a world hero. No, no, no. I'm saying if you don't kill baby oh. Hitler mm-hmm. and you come back and you have and and you have to witness him grow up and kill literally millions of people, including, by the way, other mm-hmm. babies. How do you live with yourself? I think but- now, after sitting and listening to this back and forth, I understand exactly how Congress works. <laughs> 
but okay so i want to do one more i, I just want to put one more quickly, uh one more quick information i know because we have so much um or i could just talk about it in after dark if you guys want it's okay. it, it has something to do with the book that Stephen fry wrote so i could yeah, just talk about that we could easily talk about this yeah, morning because i actually i actually argue with you guys about this and i want to know I, what other babies you guys would kill i could think of one it, <laughs> baby micah i can't like i can't i oh yes. god all right let's, let's this, this is gonna be a rough yes. ride guys this little I, baby chair i just can't with you so quick quick patreon update a couple of uh great updates first of all we have moved the millennial at the movies milestone down a couple hundred dollars to thirty eight hundred dollars per month that means we're very close to hitting that milestone and if a few of you guys sign up for the um, T-shirts, which are still available, by the way, we can hit that soon. And remember, that um, milestone means we are going to do our first ever live – or not live necessarily, but our first ever movie commentary. You you guys are going to help us select what movie we will commentate, and then we'll release it, and then you can play it uh, back with the movie at home, and it'll be like watching the movie with us. And the reason we wanted to get to that one is um, we lowered it is because we want to get to it sooner so we could start focusing on the host challenges milestone. God, I really hope it becomes sleepover camp. If you guys haven't <laughs> seen it, it's oh, my God. And w one other quick plug. We just launched a survey on millennialshow.com. You'll find an article right at the top of the site asking you to please take our Patreon survey. This is going to take two minutes. We want everybody to take it, even whether or not you are a Patreon subscriber, whether or not you were signed up and then canceled, or maybe you just signed up, whatever. Please take this survey. It's going to help us improve the Patreon. We're thinking of new benefits. We're thinking of long term. We have one big idea in mind that we're slowly but surely putting together um, that will change the show in a big way, in a good way. But first, we want to understand what how you all feel about the Patreon. So please. Go to millennialshow.com, and right at the top, you'll see a link to mm -hmm. the survey. And thank you for taking the time to do that. Basically, we just want to know how how can we how can we get you interested in the Patreon if you're not a supporter, and if you are a supporter, what can we do to make sure you hang around for as long as possible? Mm -hmm. We want you guys to be or really happy with improve. it. How do we just improve? Yeah. How do we how do, better how do, how do, serve you? How to just improve? Mm -hmm. mm, I like this. I like this. All right, let's move on to the news now. Laura's going to kick us off. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who uh, remember our vegetarian challenge from a couple months back, the World Health Organization released a study on Monday determining that processed meats like bacon, sausage, and ham cause cancer, while Yay. unprocessed red meat may also cause cancer. I hate this. <laughs> Uh, there, there's more though. Listen to this. So the World Health Organization's Cancer Research Unit now classifies processed meat as carcinogenic to humans based on evidence from hundreds of studies and linked it specifically to bacon or no, sorry, to bacon, to colon uh, cancer. The report outlined that eating the equivalent. <laughs> Can you let me finish? Can you let no. me finish? Okay, okay. The report outlined that eating the equivalent of two slices of ham a day of can bacon. increase. <laughs> Fuck you! Can increase the risk of cancer by eighteen percent. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing while I say that. You're laughing about cancer, Laura. This is I'm serious. not. Cancer runs in my family. I have a really high uh, likelihood of getting cancer. But at this, this point, doesn't cancer run in everybody's family? 
Isn't everyone dying? Some more than others. Oh, everybody's got a chance. I, I, here, (laughs) what's true? Andrew's so fatalistic. He's like, we're all dying. (laughs) All gonna die. die anyways. We're doomed. Um, on one hand, I hard, have a hard time listening to these studies because you could find a study about anything, about how sitting too long is going to kill you, how standing too long is going to kill you, how staying vegetarian is going to kill you. I'm sure there's a study about that. It's just it's it's just like, can I really take this seriously? On the other hand, well, this was probably right because it's meat and meat. Right. Well, I mean, good. life kills you. Life does kill you. Yeah. Oxygen um, is actually <clears throat> poisonous to humans. It just slowly kills us. Sorry, was I getting too deep? Oh, I, no, I, I didn't. I didn't breathing. know that. Um, uh, some of our listeners did point out, though, they were like, "Well, like, is this really a surprise that processed meats cause, like, processed anything can cause cancer if you eat enough of it?" That's very true. Yeah, I love me some bacon though. Sometimes love me a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Mm. What was what? this? Uh, what's this quote you put in here, Andrew? Want to oh. eat meat? Okay, so I have a new slogan. Maybe we can print this on a shirt or something, but it's just something to to keep in mind if you don't want to get cancer from eating meat. Here we go. Want to eat meat? Stick with dick, the safer lick. And basically what that's saying is if you you feel inspired, if if you're feeling hungry for meat, just stick with dick like cock and then then you won't get cancer. Why are you licking it, though? Because it rhymes with dick. Stick with dick. The safer lick. It's like a um, slogan. I feel like this is Andrew's way of just asking us to blow him. <laughs> yeah. It's the safer lick. Hey, Lisa, don't want cancer? Blow me instead of going to McDonald's. Wouldn't be the That's... first time he asked for that. <laughs> so something, like some douchey, like, gym bro would, like, actually ask. <laughs> like, hey, baby, I just saw this in the news. Why don't you blow me? <laughs> Anything else to dick. say about this, or should I move on? Uh, just... No, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, like I know this is like cancer is never like something to to put you know, to put lightly or anything, but th- this seems to be kind of a moot point because, of course, anything that's processed or anything in excess is bad for you. I, I mean, we're gonna, ha- I'm gonna have a fucking cheeseburger, bacon cheeseburger at some point, but I'm not gonna have it every day. I. I think if we just have a, a healthy lifestyle within foods that are relatively good for us, at least what, what they're telling us now, and, mm-hmm. you know, p- put the ones that are bad for us and just like just in small amounts. I don't think like do, going cold turkey is, you know, completely necessary. But I also think you just need to take better care of yourself because you, something's going to happen. And cancer is usually, you know, the the end result for a lot of this. Everything in moderation. Everything yeah. in moderation. Yeah. So moving on. Um, except for Harry Potter. Except for Harry Potter. Even if the author tells you seven books and that's it, don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we found out this week that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, a stage play co-written by J.K. Rowling, is going to be a sequel after the events of Deathly Hallows following Harry and his son, <laughs> Albus Severus, referred to as Al in some places, by the way, now. This was shocking because for the longest time, like I said, J.K. Rowling has said, though, you know, she would never say never, but eh, there's probably not going to be an eighth Harry Potter book. 
And that's still true, but Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is being marketed specifically with a tagline that reads, the the eighth story, 19 years later. And naturally, people lost their shit over this news. I mean, this is this is gigantic news. J.K. Rowling did co-write this. It is going to be a play that opens in London next July. Tickets on uh, on sale, by the way, this week. I'm going to be getting up in the middle of the night to try and purchase tickets for uh, one of the earlier shows. How did you guys react to news that we're basically getting an eighth Harry Potter installment? I mean, I was just glad that after 19 years later, we get something that isn't a shitty epilogue. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And I'm really excited. I think it's really cool. I'm excited to see what happens. My, I mean, my only qualm is that I'm not a theater person. I don't like or enjoy plays as a general rule. There's been some exceptions, and I would certainly make an exception for J.K. Rowling. But I, I wish this were a book. I wish this were a novel you know, I think if she, for me, if she were going to do this, I'd prefer the old format. That said, it's still cool. It's still exciting. I just wish she had chosen different names for Harry's kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe she could yeah. redeem herself. I mean, especially now. Like, if well, you're going to... Uh, yeah, I'm sure I, that's why he's really getting good. the nickname right now. She's like, oh, God, that's a terrible name. Let's just call you Al. I just yeah. want to know what kind of a story warrants... Uh, a following to the epilogue with Harry and his son. Like, what could possibly happen? So, in terms of it not being a book, she said that the only reason that this came together is because it was introduced to her as a play and it was developed as a play, um, which makes sense because there's different ways you can tell a story. Um, The synopsis says, It was always difficult being Harry Potter, and it isn't much easier now that he is an overworked employee of the Ministry of Magic, a husband and father of three school-aged children. While Harry grapples with a past that refuses to stay where it belongs, his youngest son, Albus, must struggle with the weight of a family legacy he never wanted. As past and present fuse ominously, both father and son learn the uncomfortable truth. Sometimes darkness comes from unexpected places. Oh, Jesus Christ. So they I think it sounds interesting. It sounds yeah. very adult and very dramatic. Kids are not going to like this. <laughs> well, that answers why this is a play probably and not a another book. I can see this being in like a a very intimate play though. Like something in a smaller venue. That, so I yeah. I wrote about the, the one big issue with this is that JK Rowling is marketing this as quote the eighth story. And if you were going to call this the eighth story, it needs to be accessible to everybody. So I'm hoping what happens, I doubt it's going to happen next summer when it when it opens on stage, but she needs to release the scripts. She needs to uh, she needs to film this and get this in movie theaters, not not as an adaptation, but just film the actual play. Uh, because if you're if you're releasing the eighth story, the fans around the world need to be able to enjoy it the series has always been accessible to everybody and cutting off 99 percent of the world is not right so we'll see. i would be incredibly surprised if they did not release the script well I agree. you can walk into barnes and noble and buy scripts for all kinds of yeah things. after a couple months like it's going to be yeah. on wikipedia well that's anyways. that's what i mean we'll have reports we'll have people's shitty tumblr recaps and whatnot but how long is it going to take for her to release this in bookstores if she waits two years 
which wouldn't surprise me. I don't think that's right. But yes, like you said, if if it does come out quickly, that's great. But well, the way that it's us. written, I mean, the way that you d- you just described uh, the plot, or at least the synopsis, uh, or synopsis, it's um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be very translatable onto the sc- uh, onto a book. Like it's not going to be of the same writing style, and even. Yeah, yeah, right. even the same writing style as in the previous books because the previous books are very, very literary. Like they, they encompass everything in the Harry Potter world. This seems to be a lot more intimate and personal. This seems to be between two, two characters that are in a confined area. I would not even be surprised if, if the cast is only just a, a few, which, yeah. um, which also leads me to think, uh, to kind of, to argue with the fact that this is the eighth story in the series. This seems to, this sounds like something different from Harry's story. This sounds like something that's centered on Albus and, and yes. his father. So I don't know if I, if I would be so quick to say that this is the eighth book from the Harry Potter series. I'm hoping, um, there are more characters and there's a bunch of ideas fans are wondering about. You know, she has a real opportunity here to change some perceptions. For example, what if Albert Albus Severus isn't Slytherin? And we all know how Slytherin kind of has a bad rap in the fandom. Maybe she could use this opportunity to make Slytherins look like good people for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I want to know though too about this about this play. Is that is it really going to to be aimed towards the fans of the books who've read the books and seen the film? Like, will will it also be so. will it also be though enjoyable and and at least like um at least written in a way where people who haven't seen it who are with their family can still follow the play and still enjoy it or would this be strictly for the fans well we'll see next summer baby yeah book your flights well while harry potter is certainly our bible it's not everybody's and i wanted to talk about the king james bible (laughs) in hidden from the headlines today you liked that didn't you i loved it i so loved it yeah it did I love a girl who can do a good transition. Mm. So the King James Bible was first published in 1611 because England's King James I decided that he wanted more political power. Uh, At the time, the most popular Bible was the Puritan Bible. And that Bible really kind of downplayed the divine rights of kings. It put all the emphasis on Jesus uh, as Lord and Savior and that the power rested between you know, you and God, and there, you didn't really need, you know, a king uh, or a monarch to to oversee you. Um, that didn't really play well with King James I, so he decided to write his own shit. 1611, <laughs> that comes out. But for the first time, uh, historians have discovered the origins of that Bible. A handwritten draft of the King James Bible was discovered in Cambridge, England, two weeks ago. It contains handwriting of dozens of authors from 1604 to 1608, so the decade before it was published. The handwriting is such a crucial find because it reveals how they translated texts, how they assembled the text, where edits were made, where they were arguing with each other about where to put things in and where to leave things out. So it gives us the most insane level of insight into how the King James Bible came together um of note so far they have identified 47 separate writers and translators 47 it was Mm. previously believed that there are somewhere between 
10 and 20 people who have been on like a small council to put it together. But so far, 47, and they're still they're still going through it, and they're still identifying new text every day. Um, and some of the, the the coolest part for me is being able to look at it and see where they're fighting with each other. They're like, "No, bitch, not this word. Put that here." Mm-hmm. And it's like so catty. It's it's hilarious. Um, so the reason I want to bring this up though is because the obvious conclusion is that this really kind of invalidates the King James Bible. Um, I mean, at least that's, that's the obvious draw, right? Is that it's very clear that this was the word of man and not just one or five or 10 or 20, but 47. (laughs) And so how do we, my question to you guys is how do you reconcile that? If you're somebody who does adhere to the King James Bible, which is like the most popular form today, how do you reconcile that, number one? And and number two, do you think it's fair to even try to reconcile it? Because I'm sure people who do adhere to it would still tell you that faith is faith and that they think these 47 people uh, were writing the word of God. No one wrote the word of God. There was always someone writing it. Like it wasn't no, God who, who sent a fax down to earth and said, well, here you go, guys. <laughs> I mean, I I tend to agree with you, but I just to play devil's advocate, they would say that those forty seven people or or what have you were divinely inspired. That they, it was them doing the writing, uh, but that they had a connection with God. It's a nice round number. God was like forty seven. Yes. I mean, I I, I mean, it, it, I'm not a big fan of remakes. So, <laughs> well, I mean, then I, you, I, I got to say, the original was better. But I'm just I'm kind of a prude that way. Well, none of us have ever read the original because the Bible and this is not the only time in history that the Bible has been essentially ripped to shreds and thrown back together. There are all sorts of chapters that were taken out of the Bible because they didn't sort of adhere to whatever the moral compass of the day was. I mean, there are chapters on black magic and reincarnation, things that we don't get to see because, you know, King James and the Vatican and... All sorts of other groups went through and they kind of picked, they picked and and chose what they wanted in the Bible. So it's not the first time this has happened. I would say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in trying to like talk shit on people's faith. I'm an atheist, so I don't believe any of this shit. But like, I don't think, (laughs) it's a shock and awe. I don't think that your faith in God or your religion or whatever you believe in needs to be tied to a book. I know plenty of people who consider themselves Christians and they say that they're like being a Christian is about your relationship with Christ. It's not about your relationship with the Bible or God. So Right. So they, they recognize that, yes, ma- men have made these edits. Man has modified this text. But ultimately, I still have my faith in this separate entity. And I don't. I don't think that you necessarily have to lose that. Yeah, if the Bible I has agree. Been edited. I, I agree. Ahead, this doesn't change anything. But I think that people who look up to this particular God should at least acknowledge that a lot of it is bullshit. I, I think a lot of people, no matter how many times revelations like this come out, no pun intended, I guess, that they still believe that you know. God is real and the, the the Bible was the Lord's word and um 
I mean, my dad, like, you know, no matter how many times I, I consider myself an atheist, too. And no matter how many times I call out all this shit, he still, you know, just completely ignores it. I think that's what a large population of the, by the way, declining practicing uh, Christian Catholic community do. They they don't understand or they don't accept that maybe things are bullshit. I wonder if God sees Christians as like fangirls of his son. Yeah, that could be one way to interpret it. <laughs> that that could be. That's assuming yeah. well the thing the thing though is that I, I agree with what Laura was saying earlier. You don't need your faith does not need to be dependent upon any physical anything, but particularly not a man written book. But I think the trouble though is if, if your argument is that you as a Christian, your relationship it's between you and Christ, and that's all you need. You don't necessarily need the Bible. How how do you know what Christ stood for or what he said? How do you trust any of it when you know that at bare minimum there have been 47 people who have been writing it just since the 1600s, and the Bible itself dates back thousands of years? So there's likely thousands of people who have written right. it. But there seems to be... How do you know who Christ even is if this is your only record of him and if that only record is so tainted by thousands of people? I think well, I think it's, um, Chris, uh, the, the Christian faith in general uh, of the Bible, the, um, the ones that I, I really agree with and I, I do respect, usually take the theme of the Bible itself and the teachings, not, you know, verbatim who do take direct quotes as like concrete word. Mm -hmm. They use it as just to help influence their lives and the values that it teaches and, and just lets them use that as a basis to create a, a way of life that works for them. And, and I think, uh, I, I think what, what a lot of people tend to see are the ones are the Christians who use the Bible and use quotes as a means of, of concrete, uh, concrete word and law that they can inflict on other people saying that this is what it means. This is what it says it right here on this book. And right. And you're wrong. And don't, don't be so literal about it. Right. Yeah. I, yeah it's the, it's the literal, yeah, it's the, the literal Christians that tend to, that I, I guess we're, we're kind of arguing towards. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what I was sitting here thinking as you guys were discussing this is that for hundreds of years, Christians have been picking and choosing the bits of the Bible that they like anyway. So I don't see how this should be any different. Um, quite yeah. frankly, like if, like if you look at the facts, the gospels were written a couple hundred years after Christ would have existed. So that to me personally makes it all seem like bullshit. However, to you, it may not seem like bullshit and that's okay. And I don't care if you don't think it is. I just don't want you to be going around making other people's lives miserable in the name of this text. Mm -hmm. I because guess... you're already picking and choosing things that you don't like anyway. So why don't you just decide to let people live their lives? Yeah. I, I mean, agree, we do it. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I agree. And I think, you know, I think most people in this country, at least who identify as Christian, like are pretty chill. I think that also I wanted to point out, we're talking about Christians because this is a King James Bible, but I think most of what we're saying here is applicable to all organized religions. Oh, yeah. Um, but that, anyway, I 
I agree. And I have no problems. I mean, I think faith for a lot of people is just a source of comfort in difficult times. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to be one to begrudge that uh, of somebody. I, but I would, when I, I would like a genuine answer. If anybody is a practicing Christian or identifies as, as Christian, I don't mean this in a condescending way. I'm genuinely curious because I've never been able to get an answer from someone. How do you reconcile it? How do you know what Christ stood for, what he didn't? What if he like really fucking hates chickens and he's like, thou shall not eat fucking chicken. Like, but it never got recorded or maybe, maybe it did get recorded, but like person number 1024 decided to erase that because they owned a chicken farm. Cause mm-hmm. right here, what we're seeing is King James Bible. This was clearly politically motivated. I mean, we know that that's historical fact. Um, so I guess that's all. That's just my He's, question. Yeah. How do you know? Well, what well he called, he called bacon. It causes cancer. <laughs> <laughs> this is, Jesus is speaking to us today through well, that. Well, actually, that no, study. God did. Jesus didn't because, uh, <laughs> the people that do not eat, uh, pork do not believe in Jesus. Mr. Chick-fil-A's head would explode if, if Jesus actually said, <laughs> no chicken, do not kill the chicken. Okay, it is time now for Surprise Bitch. I have selected a phone number at random. This is Paige, and she is in Chicago. So as we head into our Halloween discussion, we will ask her a question or two about her celebrations. Okay. Hello? Hi, Paige. Hello? Hello, Paige. Hello? Paige, Paige, can you hear me, Paige? Yes, I can. Hi, Paige. It's Millennial. It's Millennial. Where the hell are you? Oh, I am in my university dining center right now. Give me like one minute. Okay. Are you eating Chick-fil-A by chance? Because we just found out that God didn't like chicken. (laughs) Um, I did not find that out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I'll take that as a yes. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. It's raining out right now. Is it? Oh, shit. Well, where are you? Where are you from? I I go to Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois. In Normal? Normal, Illinois? Normal, Illinois. That is a real place. Cool. All right. Um, Yeah, it is a real place. It's in like a straight, it's a geographical center of Illinois. I thought you were trying to imply that, like, you're not in a cool part, so don't even ask any questions about your local town or something (laughs) like that. I mean, mean, you can. I actually live closer to Chicago, Mm. so that's where I grew up. So, Paige, uh, so this week, uh, we're doing Surprise Bitch right before our discussion on Halloween, because it is this week. And so we're going to ask you maybe just a couple questions about Halloween, Um, some scary stuff, if you're your game to answer some questions oh yeah of course oh. i work for a um i actually am a dj at a radio station really so, so, I'm oh, nice. for it. yeah so you're gonna play monster Pardon. mash uh yes i produce our flashback friday show at fridays at noon if you're ever you know in central illinois hit oh, me that's up. So, cool. uh, so we're doing a halloween show this week so I've got my Halloween songs all planned out and everything. Yeah. DJ yeah. Page. Yep. DJ Page. Okay. So Paige, um, so we're gonna uh discuss since uh since Halloween kinda has like the whole black cat superstition thing, do you have any superstitions that are kinda weird or not really um 
superstitions, but I definitely don't do, like, if I'm walking on a sidewalk, I won't, like, step on the cracks of the sidewalk. Like, I'll pace my steps so I'm, like, not stepping on the cracks. Oh, my God. I do that, too. I do that all the time. Because I do yeah, it. Yeah, so I'll pick. Because you'll break your so mother's pace, back, like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll pace, like, there has to be two steps in between every, like, <laughs> pace of the sidewalk, and I can't step on the cracks. Oh, my God. I, t- I don't know I if do that's this. just, like... <laughs> I, t- I time it, too. Like, if I, wa- I take one step between one tile, and then I know that I'm going to be in the middle of one, so I have to take two steps on the next tile. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. I yeah, actually it's really good somebody... if you're... I'm sorry. What, what is that? Go ahead, Elise. It's your show. i was gonna say i knew somebody in college who we were walking to the dining hall one time and she sort of screams and she stops and she gets her phone out and she places a call and she's like mom you're okay right okay good and that was it and like what the fuck and she was like i stepped on a crack and i like literally cannot do that oh my god Okay, that girl, a girl that's needs to wild. be in solitary okay. confinement. That's... So you're not, you're not alone. Right. Anyway, we're getting ready to talk about scary stories. Um, we're going to share some of our own. Has anything weird or paranormal happened to you? That you can remember? Okay, so oh, okay. I... Here we go. <laughs> I'm right on this. Okay, so I went to summer camp for... 15 years of my life that's wow. a long time and then I, was that's a, a lot. then I was a camp counselor yeah and um stronghold in Oregon Illinois and so main of the this main part of this camp is this giant house that looks like a castle and um it was built in the 1920s so it's fairly old and um the guy who built it died about two years after they built it and then when the wife lived there for the next like 20 or 30 years and I was just there volunteering for a weekend and I was going to sleep in one of the parts of this house and another person that was volunteering there was like so have you seen the ghost at all and I was like no no I haven't and um so I don't I don't really know if I believe in ghosts at all but that whole weekend like every time I'm in there now when it's like after dark and all the lights are off, I like run through this house because I'm like, I don't know what's going to come up. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So just like every time I'm there now, I'm, I got my eye out. Oh. Have you ever seen or heard anything yourself? I have not, but like you can never, you can never be too sure. So. <laughs> You're just like, I'm just going to run anyway. Cause I've seen those movies and I'm not going to be. <laughs> yes. There. Yes. Well, maybe and this so year like, you should confront your fears, you know, just overcome them. Oh, God. And I don't go to haunted, haunted houses at all. I don't watch scary movies. I oh, don't so do you, any of that just so because I I can't take things jumping out at me. Yeah. Like, I will scream. Yeah. And I will yell. I know somebody <laughs> I just, just can't do it. I know somebody just like that. And I subjected them to a haunted house type thing and they lost their minds. It was awful so i can only imagine how you would feel yeah so people my friend the other day texted me and she's like i'm going to a haunted corn maze tonight and i'm like um how about how about we don't do that (laughs) um bye have fun yeah have fun i'm not doing that like i like (laughs) corn mazes i'm all about that but like i'll do them in the dark but as long as i know someone's not gonna like jump out and like scream at me i am okay yeah 
Well, Paige, thank you so much for your support, and uh, thank you for talking to us. You're a lot of fun to talk to. Oh, well, thank you. Sorry you caught me at a bad time. I was like sitting with my friends in the dining center. Oh, and no I was problem. like, oh, someone, and it popped up on my phone, and it said unknown, and I was like, well, I don't know who this is. Maybe it's this, uh, this like, life source. It's this blood donating company. It keeps calling me to, like, get them to donate blood. <laughs> or, and they call me from different numbers all the time, and I'm like, oh, it's probably this company calling me again. Or, so I ignore them all the time, but I'm glad I picked up this time. Yeah, yeah, or it could have been a ghost calling to haunt you or something. So. Oh, good God. Especially this week, I can see why you wouldn't answer. So I yeah. well. Yep. All right, Paige. Thanks again. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Happy bye. Halloween. You. Bye. You too. Oh, cut her off. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Andrew, you yes. <laughs> All right. That was Paige. Very fired up Paige. She's a good listener. We could have her on the show, I feel like. We did. I mean, yeah. as a co-host. <laughs> yeah, no, she was great. <laughs> We're secretly auditioning all these, well, not secretly anymore because I just said it, but secretly auditioning all of our listeners when we call them. No. All right. So as obviously we all know by now, it is Halloween this Saturday night and we wanted to wrap up the show talking all about Halloween. I guess we'll start with the history of Halloween as I turn on some Halloween music. Who, who, uh, who, does anybody know the history of Halloween? Like how it got started? I can jump on this shit. Oh, I got this. All right. Do it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> I was I was looking into this earlier, and Halloween. It's it's kind of difficult to trace the origins of everything, but uh, in general, it can be said that Halloween started as a, a Celtic festival called Samhain uh, in Ireland, obviously, and it was really sort of just like a like a fall festival. Like, you know, winter's coming, we need to get all the food together, we don't want to die. And so it became like, you know, a big feast and people would get together for it. What's interesting, though, is that one of the things that spurred out from from the festival were people, um, poor people, would knock on their neighbor's doors because, you know, winter's coming, right? So they need food. So they knock on their neighbor's doors. And they would perform little skits, little tricks, little plays right on their doorstep. And in exchange for, like, telling them a joke or or performing a, a quick little play, they would get food. And then they would take the food and they would not starve. So that was, that was like, one of the, one of the first times that uh, trick-or-treating, I guess, was found. And then, fun fact, that shit didn't start in the U.S. until after World War II. It's a relatively new thing. Oh, uh, it started because of all the Irish and English settlers that were, or immigrants, I guess, at that point, all the Irish and, Im- and English immigrants that were coming to the country, and they sort of revived those traditions here. So, for everybody here on the panel, is this how does this how does Halloween rank? Top favorite holiday? Oh yeah, it's easily in my top two. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think so. Yeah, it might be my top. Uh, no, top two, definitely. Halloween and Christmas for me. Halloween because I you love know, Christmas it gets, too. Yeah. It gets darker earlier in the year, and everybody's trying to spook each other. You know what mm-hmm. I hate though? Oh, this <laughs> this this pumpkin spice craze. Now I can understand a little bit of pumpkin spice. I like the Thomas's English Muffin Limited Edition pumpkin muffins. Uh, but you go to into Trader Joe's. It's a food small food store here in america and you just find all this random pumpkin spice shit like pumpkin spice tortilla chips 
pumpkin spice salsa, pumpkin spice dog treats. It's like enough. Right? No. I love it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a basic, basic white bitch. I'm basic as shit. I don't understand why we call it pumpkin spice, though, because it doesn't taste like pumpkin in any fashion. It, it kind of does. It does. It's got, yeah. not, it not does. me. No. Have you had, like, actual pumpkin? Yeah. Like, okay. do I stick a spoon in a pumpkin and spoon it into my mouth? Like, the flavors are not pumpkin. It's, it's, um, I mean, I taste more nutmeg and cinnamon and. Well, it's labeled can... pumpkin spice, and everybody becomes obsessed with it because of that. It's, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I um, <laughs> I like Halloween, and Halloween and Christmas are my two favorites. Uh, and I can't really tell which one's my favorite, but only because both is where you can be really creative, mm-hmm. and you get to like you get to you know you you. Well, for Christmas, you get to be creative and trying to find ways of, like, giving gifts out or and celebrating. And the same thing goes with Halloween. You can be you can be really clever with your costumes for trick or treating, or you can do you can decorate your entire apartment into or your house into yeah, like like the Walking Dead's prison or a haunted house. Or <laughs> is that what you're a, doing? What is everybody being dungeon? for Halloween this year? Actually, Andrew, what are you dressing up as? I, if I have time, I'm kind of busy this week, but I, me and my boyfriend, I think, are going to go as the gay couple emoji, as seen on the <laughs> That's iPhone. really good. Oh, That's really that's good. Ever. So, it the one just... wears a blue shirt, the other wears an orange, and, uh, you know, certain colored pants, and that's it. You know, quick, quick and easy, and cheap. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Elisa, Laura. what are you going up? Oh, okay, yeah, Laura, Laura you go. first. Let's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I haven't really decided yet. I'm, I don't really have a lot of time to put together a costume. Um, but I do, I do have a t-shirt from an undisclosed tech company. Um, and I was, and I'm not going to name them, but I was thinking of like tearing up the shirt and putting fake blood on it and being a zombie employee of that company slash store. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I have time to put together. I think you <laughs> should go as Donald Trump because you guys believe in the same values. He's a role right. model to you. And we look the same. You look the same. I, I look like nice. a man who's about to die uh, with an orange oh, wig. Shit. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, so here last year I didn't have a costume either. But what I cleverly did was I decided to tell people that my costume was white girl wasted because that's exactly what I was. <laughs> so maybe I'll do that again this year. Matt, what about you? Uh, can't really top that. I'm kind of actually in between two <laughs> costumes, and I might, if I do finish both, uh, I'm gonna wear two costumes this weekend. I'm going. Um, my my boyfriend is actually making me a a xenomorph alien costume from scratch, so it's gonna be. I have no idea what. Well, it's it's like in pieces right now, so uh, we'll see how. It, I'm going as a slutty, a slutty alien. And slutty oh, um, alien, slutty alien. And now, then last year you went as the uh, nudes in the cloud. So what, I went as the iCloud leak. Yeah. So what's with all these sex-inspired choices? Um, it's you know it's Halloween. It's well, I also live on uh, a parade route uh, in 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 West Hollywood in in L.A. And it is it is the the number one 
uh, Halloween parade in, I think, even the entire world, definitely the country. And there's no argument in it, guys. So don't respond saying, oh, no, that's not true. Chicago or New York <laughs> has it. It's true. There's there's at least the very minimum. There's at least five, uh, half a million people that show up to this one mile yeah. of walk phase. And I think last year, actually, it was 700,000, they, they estimated. And so this year it's going to be even worse because it's a Saturday night. It's Saturday this crazy. weekend. So, you know, I, I think it's just fun to make uh, everything just a little bit sluttier. It just kind of does a little. So getting back it, onto it's, the topic. It's a little, it's a little extra. It's just a little extra that goes with your costume. Show, and show a little extra tit. Yeah, like I'm gonna wear, I'm gonna be wearing those, uh, those second skin bodysuits, and then I'm just gonna like add more, add a little bit to to the costume. But it's mostly just gonna be like a minimalist costume. Um, my other costume, though, mean you're going naked. That's what's yeah. Happening. I will not be wearing clothes underneath my clothes. Okay, that's um, good. What's your second costume? My co- my second costume is I'm going as Seymour and Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors, okay. and so I'm making I'm making the plant I'm making a puppet plant, and I'm just gonna go as Seymour the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are fucking creative. So it's Elisa, fun. Elisa, damn it, you have a good question here, <laughs> relating to Matt. <laughs> Why is everything so slutty now, Halloween costume-wise? And they're marketed as slutty, too. Well, okay, yeah, so... Haven't you seen Mean Girls? They answered yeah, this question that's what I'm going girls. to do. Slutty is just an excuse to dress up as a slut. But I don't do it for that reason. And I don't think many people do. I think it's just an extra way of twisting the costume that's been done a million times into something that you did. That's oh, okay, 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 okay. Here's the thing, though. First of yeah. all, I want to be very clear. I am not a fan of the word "slut." I don't like. I don't like any of the implications. Whatever. I don't think there's really such a thing as being slutty. I think if someone's super like, like you know, body positive and they want to go out and do their thing naked, more power to you. That being said, there are some things that shouldn't be sexualized. There are some things like I went. To, there's a hollow, a giant Halloween store right down the street from where I live. Mm-hmm. There are slutty cookie monster outfits. There are uh, this is not a joke. Do you want to know what it is? It's a furry blue bikini. That's what it is. And then it comes it comes with a giant plastic cookie. And and incidentally on on the ass, on the ass of the blue furry bikini bottom is a half-bitten cookie like you know you're taking <laughs> out of their ass i love yeah. that's but- the thing guys this isn't there are some things like i have no issues like if a girl or a guy wants to go out there and like do their thing but like there are some things that are meant for children like do we really want to see slutty barney the dinosaur like should we we shouldn't be doing that yeah but okay my issue with i, I do not really condone i haven't done this in a long time but and and my reasoning is i don't like buying my costume and i like i like making it even even if it's not from scratch i just go to like a goodwill and just like put on layers of clothes that i find and make it into a costume that's your birthday suit was definitely made from scratch matt it's it's been done (laughs) so many times um i but the the quote-unquote like slutty cookie monster or slutty like baby baby mama i don't i don't know but i i i don't i i hate i also hate the way that uh the halloween costumes are titled yeah. i think it's just i i, I just think it's a cheap I way i don't like i don't like it when anyone calls anything slutty just because it's like i, know, I feel and like I'm it's shaming sure. 
people yeah, for being sensitive. And I know, I know, shit, man. I, I'm already seeing like our Facebook page is going to be blowing up with a lot of the stuff that mostly be agreeing with you, Lisa. And <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at PartyCity.com and I see adult seductive Snow White costume, adult provocative cat costume. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's a lack of creativity. Honestly, like you can take anything and make it slutty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, I think ultimately what it is, it's just people who are at a loss for how to creatively costume themselves. I think it's like people at a loss for how to creatively have sex. (laughs) Well, that's, that's it too. I guess so. I, I don't, I, I I definitely see what you, you girls are saying, but so eh, whatever so what where do we draw the line on offensiveness uh blackface i think we're on an agreement that's offensive uh yeah i saw an article on gawker this week people are doing it again this year doing the blackface and it's like come on people but if you want to dress up as a woman and you're a man or whatever um that's fine Right? I've right, done that. Right, Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, I don't see a problem with that. The, the blackface thing, the reason, I want to be clear, if there's like, you know, like a 10-year-old kid out there in blackface, I think that's really inappropriate and his parents should be, should be talked to. But like, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with ignorance and not genuine yeah. malice. Um, yeah. I, I think that's what that is. It's still offensive, but I think it's ignorance more than malice um, when it's children, particularly. The, mm-hmm. the point, though, is where do we draw a line? Because what about, for example, I'm a fan of the football team, the Washington Redskins, and they've gotten a lot of flack, understandably recently, for their name, Redskins. Um, I could talk about that all day. But <laughs> what if somebody dresses up as a Native American? I mean, that's a real costume that's actually very common, very popular, is Native American. Isn't doesn't have necessarily the exact same history as blackface in our history of racism but like against black people but isn't it kind of close yeah so here's the thing i feel like when you are attempting to dress up as a member of like a racial or ethnic group that is currently still in existence you're you're stereotyping them you're reducing them to a fucking like beaded dress with a feather sticking out of your head like that's what those costumes look like and I think that is offensive. And the names are offensive. I saw a friend who put up a picture of herself in one of those costumes, and it was called Polka Hotness. Uh, oh, God. It's so bad. So, yeah. yes, like, why do you feel the need to dress up like a slutty geisha? I think it's, I really think it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I, 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 think yeah, I don't I just care. Think I better think judgment when you do, when, when you choose these kind of things. It's... You know, I, I think it's always you're always walking a thin line when you when you dress up as a as a as a cultured uh, in cultured robes, so to speak, in especially in in especially in uh, ones that are kind of not not stereotypical, but that are kind of controversial. I would also, I mean, this is the last point I'm going to make on this is I think. Uh... So I know somebody, I know someone personally who's Jewish and she's dressing up as an Orthodox Jew, um, meaning with like, you know, the longer hair and like the curls on the side and and Mm -hmm. all that. Um, I still think that's offensive, even though she herself is, is Jewish culturally, she's not practicing. I still think that 
like that shouldn't happen because like Orthodox Jews are not a mythical creature. They're not like zombies. They're like real. And I don't know. I still find it's not that a, a little costume odd. though. That it's not exactly. It's not a costume. That's that's exactly right. It's yeah. Something's not. A there costume. are so many it's a options. Culture. Not a costume. Like, yes, exactly. It. Like no one. I, I, I even even Native American robes, um, or awesome. that's not cool. Yeah, it's just yeah. Come on, guys. Like it's I it's Halloween. Like like, d- d- and also people who like to push their personal agenda or their personal beliefs on things who use it as like almost like uh, a public protest or demonstration. Like I'm an aborted fetus. I am. Oh, I, I am. God. I am. The, I am the liberal oh, agenda. God. No one does that, please. I bet, I bet somebody out there yeah. does it. I'm a family that's been ruined by gay marriage. <laughs> yeah, like that, that too. Oh my god, guys. Can we, next Halloween, we the four of us have to get together and be a family that's been ruined by gay marriage. What, like divorce papers dragging at our feet and yeah, and miserable like, faces? Yeah. yeah, and like, Are, yes. Oh my god, yeah, we should. We, we should each like branch off into like uh, boy-girl couples and be, and be like, like, the same sex like holding each other's hands in the back while they're putting their armor on their wife or husband oh it's perfect it's like the, the secret life <laughs> creative so yeah to wrap this up and to close out our show we wanted to each tell a scary story or offer a spooky antidote so who would like to start i can start oh god um okay so this happened and this is a real story guys so like buckle up this shit's scary so this happened when i was about 10 years old when i was living in texas um my mom had to run a quick errand one afternoon and my dad was at work um so she took my brother with her and i didn't want to go because i was busy playing crash bandicoot on my ps1 so i was definitely staying home so my mom leaves and i'm sitting on the floor in the living room of our duplex and in my peripheral vision i can see the entrance to my bedroom So I'm playing Crash, and all of a sudden, I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And mind you, it's like Texas in August, so it's not cold at all. And I'm thinking, like, what the hell? But, like, I had just gotten the sweet Unabaga mask, so I wasn't about to fuck that up by being scared. Um, Then a few minutes later, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a massively tall, and I'm talking floor-to-ceiling, black-cloaked figure walking into my bedroom. I was terrified to sleep there for months after that. I don't even remember what I did after I saw it. Like, I totally blanked out. But for years afterwards, I tried to get people to believe me, and nobody would believe me. But looking back, I had a really active imagination, and I had just finished reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So I think I had Dementors on the mind. I believe you. I think it happened. I think you need to stand (laughs) your fucking ground, Laura. (laughs) So, so that's what will happened. Continue. That you sounds to... that's scary as shit. Mm-hmm. It was pretty terrifying. I was scared. I like don't... for months after that, I actually got into the habit of sleeping on my back because oh. I was terrified that it would like come up and grab me. Yeah, and stab you in your sleep in right. the back. Ugh. It couldn't God. stab me in the front as long as I had blankets over me. I was safe. <laughs> White people problems. <laughs> I don't have a scary story per se, but I've and I was trying to rack my brain for something but what I did remember is back when I was a kid in the basement where we had the video games and the family computer and everything my dad also had um, his kind of kind of a man cave it was kind of in like in a separate portion of the basement and in his man cave he had a statue 
It was like a caricature. It had a large head and a small body of Groucho Marx, the old comedian. And I don't know how my dad had this or whatever, but he's smoking he's smoking a cigar and the, the Groucho Marx statue is. And it sits on the top shelf in the man cave, right at the back, centered nicely with the... He's kind of like looking down at the pool table, the billiards table. And for whatever reason, I developed an irrational fear of this Groucho Marx statue <laughs> that it would come to life. And for years as a child, I would refuse to go into the basement by myself or be down there with the lights off because I was always afraid that Groucho was going to come to life and I guess kill me or something. And then whenever I would hear noises in the house at night, even if I was two floors up in my bedroom, I would always think it was Groucho Marx. And to this day, he kind of spooks me out a little bit because I kind of grew up scared of him. But it was just so stupid that I developed an irrational fear of this damn statue that was like a foot tall. That's so, so funny. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. Like, and it, it could also be potentially because you were scared to be in the basement by yourself. So you just placed your fear in that of that figure, on that horrific, yeah. ugly ass Groucho Marx statue. <laughs> Does your dad still have it? Oh, yeah. Next time I'm back, I'll take a picture and put it in the group and freak everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, is it is it my turn? It's my turn, I think. Um, sure. Okay, well, uh, oh, I do have like a kind of a creepy story that kind of that gave me nightmares for a bit. Um, it was uh, a story with my sister when um, about fifteen, I guess fifteen years ago, uh, I was uh, when when I was at night, my sister would have this little this little thing where she would get up and start uh, uh, sleepwalking. Oh, it was only it that. was only it was only temporary. Like it only happened, I think, a ha- less than a handful of times. But there was one time um, when I was asleep, I um, I woke up to something, and I turned around, and my sister was standing next to my bed, just looking at me while she was asleep. And um, oh, what was she doing? Oh, she was um, she she, she was whimpering. While she was asleep, so she was, Ugh. she was just l- looking right down at me from the side of my bed post and just whimpering, going, "Oh, oh!" I would have punched her right. And in then, the um, uh, no, she was just <laughs> saying it. And then, um, and then I, I, I said her name, and like she, she didn't answer. She just walked back into her room and then fell back asleep. But like I couldn't, I couldn't go back to sleep. Like I was up the entire night, I remember, and I was, I was, I was terrified. Like that's one of the moments where you're thinking, like, oh my god, am I gonna die? Yeah, and it was my little sister. Because when somebody is like out of body like that, it's it's surreal. Yeah, like she could have just like went into like a a, a state of hysteria and took out a axe or something and chopped me up. You guys kept <laughs> axes that's what was... in your room. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> Elisa, what's your story? I'm sure you have the scariest of them all. Um, this is another story from Chickahominy. Um, I think we've talked more most about this on After Dark. So Chickahominy is this old, like 120-year-old mansion that's been in my family forever. It's on the water in the middle of nowhere. It's like it's a perfect uh, plot place for Stephen King. Um, so this is a story of how I heard my mother screaming and it turned out to not be my mother. I was 
at Chickahominy, and I was actually had just gotten off the phone with Laura. This was maybe about, <laughs> God, about six or seven years ago, and it was the dead of winter, and um, I was in the downstairs bathroom, which is at the foot of a staircase, and I just hung up with her. It's probably about, God, two or three in the morning. It was really late, and I was starting to wash my face. And as I'm just bent over the sink and scrubbing my face, I hear my mom just start screaming, what? What? And it had this sense of like shock and horror. Uh, The only way to describe it is as though she was screaming, what? Like someone had just died and she had literally just found out that someone had died. In fact, my first thought was, oh my God, my dad. Because the only people in the house were me, my mom, and my brother. My dad was out traveling for work. So I immediately, my my heart sinks into my gut and I just think, Jesus, my dad, what's going on? So I hurry up and try to finish washing my face and pat my face dry and I keep hearing like, no, 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 over and over again. And then just like violent sobbing, sobbing like somebody has just like lost their child. And then I hear whoever, I hear the person, I think it's my mom. I hear them running up and down the staircase right outside the door. I fling the door open and I'm like, mom, what's going on? And there's nothing there. Now the sounds are upstairs at the top of the staircase and it's right in front of me. I can hear the sobbing and the screaming over and over again. And I'm like trying to feel my way through the dark to find my mother. But there's nothing there at the top of the staircase. The closer I get to it, the further away it moves. Now I'm really fucking freaked out because at this point it still has not occurred to me that it's not my mother. I still think it's her because it sounded exactly like her i run down the hallway i'm upstairs at this point i run down the hallway i don't hear any more screaming i fling the door open to my mother's bedroom and she's asleep she's laying there with the tv on in the background um and she's just asleep and i freeze i get goosebumps and i feel the hair stand up on my neck I start crying, not out of sadness, but genuine terror. And I run over to her and I shake her awake and I tell her what just happened. And she's like, I've, I've been asleep since like 10 PM. Like, what are you doing awake? She didn't, she was, I, I was so scared. I mean, again, I was in my twenties at this point. I wasn't a child. Um, I make her come to bed with me. She comes into my room with me and I, (laughs) I'm like 21 years old. I make her sleep with me that night because (laughs) I could not get the sounds of her screaming out of my head. Um, The next day, the next morning, I didn't really sleep at all. But the next morning, uh, we're downstairs having breakfast and my brother comes down and he goes, by the way, who was crying last night? And Uh I'm like, peace out. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god lisa <laughs> you need god your life you, your your growing up childhood is just one big nightmare <laughs> yeah I, I can't believe i mean you guys should you guys should have called like the ghostbusters or something like some paranormal detective service to figure out what the hell goes on in your life all the time 
I'm not kidding you. Even just like, I can't describe to you the pure like anguish that were, that was in that, those screams, like yeah. just remembering it, telling that story. I get goosebumps. It was unreal. Wow. I can't wait until all four of us go back there together. <laughs> we do. So great. Uh, we need slash to terrible. <laughs> we need to do like a live show from Chickahominy and introduce people to the, the horror. A live show? I can't even get cell service there. How are we going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, we could do like one of those found footage films. <laughs> oh, oh my After God. we all die, they find our iPhones. Gonna yeah, together all the data. Well, coming up on After Dark, we're going to be talking more about Halloween. And as we spoke about before, we're going to uh, figure out what other babies we would kill. So two two very dark topics for <laughs> After Dark this week. Oh, my God. We're going to talk about traditions and movies related to Halloween, too, because there's so many great traditions and so many great movies, Halloween movies. So we'll talk about as many as we can. Okay. Uh, to wrap up today's show, we are going to close out with the Monster Mash. But first of all, I just want to remind everybody about that survey on millennialshow.com. I was just looking at the results. We got a lot of feedback so far already. So thank you. Um, but there's still several more thousand of you to go. So just visit millennialshow.com and you'll see a link for the Patreon right at the top. Speaking of Patreon, maybe you're interested in helping us getting to those host challenges or maybe you're interested in a t-shirt. Just go to patreon.com slash millennial sign up. You'll get lots of bonus content. By the way, last week, we had a shitload of bonus content. Yeah. We had yeah, we really did. Uncle Joe outtake. We had um a long ass after dark. It was like 45 minutes. We also had a long hashing it out. So a lot of great stuff, including um if you want to cry, I understand you should watch Elise's vlog. She posted a very Oh, it really vlog. was amazing. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to watching that and crying, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'm going to cry. I just elicit all kinds of emotions here tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week for episode 39. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I was working in the lab late my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from its slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the mash he did the monster mash, the monster mash. it was a graveyard smash he did the mash. it caught on in a flash he did the mash he did the monster mash